Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and this week we're getting sporty with Patrick Kagongo and Mike Musenrider. Last week, LeBron James led the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team to victory in the NBA Thunderdome bubble. This has some calling LeBron the best ever over the other GOAT, Michael Jordan, which got us thinking about the best ever discussions in skateboarding. Just this morning, Gino Iannucci's newfound footwear free agency inspired Mike to propose a new structure for skateboard teams. Mike, can you lay it all out for us? So it all started this morning when I noticed that Twitter friend of the podcast, Stephen with a P, posted from Lucas Puig's Instagram story, if you're following, a photo of Gino Iannucci wearing Adidas shoes. Wouldn't be that interesting in like 1993 but um, he's been on Nike since like 2002 or 2003. Um, and actually, I, 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 I sent a couple of text messages. We are journalists after all. And it, it's pretty much confirmed that Gino's off Nike. I think he's the last original Nike rider to have been on Nike SB. Who is that? Richie Mulder, Gino, Reese Forbes, Todd Jordan. Does that, that sound right, you guys? Yeah, I think uh, Danny, was Danny Supa Danny in Supa? there. Supa is probably like the the one of the best but shortest lived on there. So basically, I, I was driving to work and I came up with this joke tweet, but I think it's actually interesting in terms of like, you know, it's kind of whack that Gino's just off Nike because his contract, as far as anybody can assume, just didn't get renewed. So I propose these. Thus, I quote from my tweet, I think it's time skateboarding transactions got more structure. My proposal, colon, the AM draft is the second Thursday after Tampa Pro each year. Enforced three-week free agency period so that we can speculate about where Gino's going to go. We saw him in Adidas, we said. And then the other point that I was making is uh, we want to make sign-in trades. Let America get some value for Reynolds' expiring contract. This is very NBA-heavy nerdery, but... um, you know, maybe they could have... Uh, wait, okay, so we went to Vans. Maybe Vans signs Reynolds. They trade away Kyle Walker for, you know, like three years de-escalating contract on, on, on America, you know? Former Sodi. Wow. I, I'm just saying, wow, like, that, I think some... <laughs> Patrick, I, I think you have enough to run with. You, you tell me why you're excited about these ideas. All right, so I'm excited about these ideas for a couple reasons, right? So the weird thing about skating is that it feels like the Wild West when you compare it to other professional sports. And we're going to just drop that debate. We're not going to have it tonight about whether or not skating is a sport or not. For all intents and purposes, this is some athletic shit. It's a sport, okay? You have people who are on teams, people getting cut, people getting picked up. But the thing is we got no trades, right? Because trades would be so interesting. Because we've all grown up with the stories of team lineup changes, people exiting, but never a trade, never an agreement between a couple companies, two, three companies, right? You know, where it's like, hey, such and such is going to be leaving world and they're going to be going to, they're going to be going to girl, but another, you know, another company is going to come in and they're going to make another, a a deal and they're going to bring a two for one, right? And the thing is like, like, it's a couple things, right? So Gino was basically the last of the OGs from the Nike, the, I guess it was the third iteration of the Nike SB program. For those of you who don't know, it took Nike approximately three tries to get their skateboarding program off the ground, right? First was the the infamous Chode era, where Bam was on the team. Then there was the 
Savior brand, which was supposed yeah, to be yeah. a new brand, but was actually funded by Nike. And then there was the Nike SB program in which basically they got some shoes with a classic profile, put them joints out, and the streets was loving them, man. And, and that's the way that it worked. But the fact that we have no idea where Gino is going to end up, that there's just this big question mark. You know, why doesn't Adidas pick him up? I mean, also, this would play heavily into uh, Gino's European roots. For those of you who don't know, his dad's Italian, right? And his mom is from Birmingham, England. Straight up brummy. Like, it's really weird. Like, his, his mom is the only person from her family to come over to America. So apparently Gino has a bunch of wild cousins who all live in Birmingham. And then, of course, <laughs> extended family all in Italy. So I don't know. I think getting on the three strikes would be ill for him. But back to the, the, the greater scheme of skating, right? I think it would actually, to be honest, it would, it would probably some cooperation on uh, team lineup changes will probably save a lot of heartache and grief and definitely oh make gosh. things more interesting for us, the fans. So, Templeton. Oh, I, it, for me, like, I, I don't follow sports, so I, I'm, like, just kind of, uh, I don't know what's going on, basically. <laughs> uh, but it seems like uh, in professional sports, which it's a business, and I think that that's where the parallel is. Skateboarding is a business. Basketball is a business. All these sports are businesses, so sports, lifestyle, whatever, that doesn't even apply. It's all business. And I feel like in skateboarding, it's so opaque. You know, like nobody has any idea how much Gino was making. And if Gino ends up on another company, nobody knows what, what he's going to be making there. I feel like it's just all so opaque. And I think that in those kind of situations, the companies are winning. You know, people aren't getting the value that they should be getting. So I, I think that this could, oh, no. be, this could be good. I just I, I think just to maybe add some context to listeners who are in the same boat as you, Tep, Templeton, like so much rides on kind of knowledge of how an NBA, the National Basketball Association or, you know, NFL, et cetera, works in that there's a lot of betting on this. So there's just kind of fairness built into it for the sports better. But I think more more than anything, you know, there there's a collective bargaining agreement. And thus, then you have a salary cap, and that means that just for kind of like knowledge of what's going to happen in the league, you kind of have to know everybody's salaries to just tell the story. You know, you can't have people moving from team to team, and you can't not know how much they're making because the math has to make sense if that shorthand explanation <laughs> helps at all. Well, I, I think there's also um, the element of spectacle. So full disclosure, I worked for NFL media for two years, more specifically during the window where Colin Kaepernick first started to protest. Uh, it was a really, really interesting time. And I, yeah. I, I got to see how the sausage was made, at least on the media end of it. And a big part of a lot of these events, like the draft, right, is the spectacle, right? More specifically, it's something to keep the fans engaged during the off season. And we can have a lot of, you know, we can criticize this a lot, right? Especially within the NFL, right? Um, a league that in some ways seems irredeemable. Um, it's just problem after problem after problem. Compare that to say the NBA, which, you know, was going through some troubled times in the late 90s, early 2000s. A lot of fights, yeah. a lot of friction between players and owners and players and the, you know, the and the league. And now it's, you know, everybody's a serious businessman and, you know, buddy-buddy and you know, people are investors and doing big things. But back to the idea of the spectacle, right? 
I feel like we kind of got these things built into skating, right? Because like Tampa Am and Tampa Pro are the premier events in American skateboarding. And back in the 1990s, you had the European contests where you'd have skaters from all over the world going to Radlands in England, Munster, Germany, the Marseille Bowl, Basel in Switzerland. They'd be going and congregating and you get to see the best of the best of the best, right? It's amazing to me that there's not some sort of a skate draft built into Tampa, into into Tampa yeah. Am. Like there should be. I mean, there's already a party in Tampa when the when all the Ams come to town. You know, never mind the pros who just get crazy. You could. There's a lot of programming and content that you could you could you could build out of that. And I don't know. I think also the the other thing is that maybe nobody wants to admit that they are doing some shady business in skating because you know for every cool team owner who is tries to be transparent and demystify you know excuse me demystify the process there are a lot of folks who don't run they don't want you knowing their business they don't want you to know how much they're underpaying folks and you know that's also a form of control right you don't totally. let these folks know you don't let people know you 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 keep this uh you know you keep skating it as a as a black box you know as much as you use a control folks it's just like i hey, just be happy i'm giving you five hundred thousand bucks a month and chill bro you get <laughs> free clothes free shoes and you live in a group house you know, what more could you ask for? I, I, I gotta I gotta dial back Patrick, you said five hundred thousand. The thousand slipped out of your mouth. I, I oh, don't think you meant that. Me. <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably like five skaters will make a half a mil. <laughs> oh, five hundred was the was the was the factor. That was five hundred and all the all the ramen and Kool-Aid. <laughs> but oh. you know, I, I think um I, I often think uh, about this one amazing quote. Um, by Chomsky, and he was talking about sports and politics, right? And he said that, you know, Americans are not particularly dumber or smarter than any other people, right? It's really just about the amount of information that's available. And I'm paraphrasing heavily here, but you'll get the point. And he said, you know, if you talk to the average American about sports, right, you go to a gas station, you ask the attendant, hey, you know, you peep, uh, Chomsky lives in Boston, so we're going to assume, you know, gas station attendants are the Pats, a Red Sox guy, boom. And, you know, you start asking this person about the game, and they're going to hit you with stats, right? They're going to hit you with a detailed understanding of the game, of the trades, of the ownership, their gripes with the ownership, and be able to put it into historical perspective. Why? Because the information is there, right? And he says, like, you can, he said, he, he built on this, you know, he built on this story even further. He said, you get a person that calls into sports talk radio, more often than not, they tend to be just as informed, in some cases, even more informed than the person who's hosting the show. And we joked about, we all joked about this on Twitter, about folks who call into drive time radio. Yeah. I would love to see something like that for skating. Just like, yeah, this is um, Frank from Syosset. Got some questions about uh, Luigi Giovanni Iannucci, about whether or not he's going to be going to the three stripes. Um, you had a great time on Nike, but I think he needs to move on to uh, some better things. I'll hang up and listen. I would love to see that. So far, the only thing we have for that is podcasts like this one and the Slap Message Board. But it would be it would be interesting to have like a similar, you know, AM sports radio, you know, drive time kind of vibe when we talk about skating, which it kind of exists at the skate park or the spot. People people rap about it, but you know, oh yeah, the the whole other point of that quote is that. Um, People don't get to talk about politics in such an informed way because they're deliberately being misinformed and that mainstream media doesn't provide them with enough information to be able to uh, assess and be able to analyze what's happening in the political sphere. In contrast with sports, we got tons of sports media. People can make up their minds, have opinions, and be articulate about it. But, and yet, <laughs> go and on. yet, 
real quick, nobody ever says fake news about sports. Oh, hell no. Oh, um, hell. Templeton, you just got hit with Niagara Falls of sports <laughs> takes, and you are an admitted non-sport consumer. What is even the topic? I mean, do you want skateboarding to be sportier in that it's like there's more structure, which might mean more transparency about some things that we wonder about, maybe means better things for riders, but I don't know. You tell me. I, I guess I hit you with like three questions, which is unpro, but... Yeah, I I feel like it it certainly would add some interest for like the armchair team manager like us, you know, like it would be interesting to just discuss, you know, some annual team shakeups, which would be really interesting. Um, I think that skateboarding is so different from professional sports because I I feel like it, like even the worst team in whatever NBA league is still like top tier, whereas in skateboarding it's like you know there's what like flip primitive what like big huge brands and then there's like the killing floor or whatever that's like you know rad and like you know has international distribution but like is small time compared to those and it's like you know a pro on the killing floor is not going to make what a pro on primitive is going to make so it's like how how does that like how do you thread that needle and also with skateboarding like there's no league or anything so it's like you know, I could start mostly skateboarding skateboards tomorrow and, you know, turn myself pro and, you know, <laughs> wait, maybe I could turn myself pro and be in the league and somehow I would be making a lot of money even though I'm not selling any boards. Be like the ultimate yeah. scam. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like um, making the comparison between like the big timers, like the flips and the primitives, um, you know, teams that obviously have big time rosters and it's kind of interesting that we're including flip but just for the sake of argument i don't know why i said flip (laughs) at their at their peak flip was one of those companies but you know like some people like watching minor league baseball you know you sometimes you know you can't afford to go see the yankees or the mets and you know you saddle you go see the brooklyn cyclones you know and drink some cheap beer and and hang out let me get in real quick I love I, the last time I went to a minor league baseball game, St. Paul Saints, co-owned by Bill Murray, William Murray of uh, many movies fames. Uh, I I love the minor league baseball because they kind of pitched a little worse. They dropped some balls in the outfield. It was more interesting because there was more variance. Mm. And I think I think that plays into skateboarding a little bit. Re, maybe the Noah video that you guys were talking about last week when I wasn't here, but that's my interruption. No, oh, that, that makes perfect sense. And honestly, sometimes a shop video or homie video is more interesting than a fully flared. Often, oftentimes it's more interesting. There you interesting. go. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, you want to crush some beers in the parking lot and then go watch minor league baseball on the cheap, have some more, and then, you know, call it an evening. And you know that that's that's something that's something to keep that's something to keep in mind about those smaller companies. But I think skating has to ma- make a definitive step about what it wants to be because this sort of like hyper disorganized uh, existence is just ripe for somebody to to take advantage of, and that's effectively what happened with the bigger shoe companies like Nike and Adidas. Right? This wasn't a question of exploitation or whatever. Whatever the lane was wide open. The no lane doubt. was wide open. If you offer people more money and better trips, hell yeah, they're going to sign to your company and rock all of your outfits. Of course <laughs> they were going to do that. And then also, <laughs> like, 
it was it was there was like there, there was there's like there's no sense of unity there's no sense of real cooperation i mean like isn't there like some skateboarding conference that they used to go to mexico every year like all the shoe companies whoever but i i can i can never remember anything ever getting done by any association of of, of skate companies well when did they when did they ever decide that we're going to do x or y other than 96 when all the american and brazilian skaters boycotted the monster the monster championship we can't get, you know, skaters can't get a, the equivalent of a players union, you know. Companies don't want to get together and discuss, you know, people moving back and forth. And they wonder why shit is still hectic in, what is it, 2020? Yeah, I think the only time I've ever remembered the companies all getting together and doing something is when they had that uh, extremely ill-conceived anti-blanks campaign. Oh, God, that was bad. Yeah, which, <laughs> which like, to me, I was like... Oh shit! I definitely should buy blanks because, like, fuck these guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't believe that. Like, all of that effort of you know decades of watching skateboarding, and that was that was the best of the best. Now, that being said, there actually are some pretty cool initiatives that are happening in skating, but they're not skate related right now. Uh, skaters vote is something you know we're what less than two weeks away from a major presidential election. Not to mention you know, local and state elections. Here in the United States, and Skaters Vote is doing, I think, a, a stand-up job about getting shops involved, brands involved. Skaters are posting selfies, you know, going to the polls. They got skaters who are going dropping off their ballots, you know, doing little IG clips. I love that shit. And you know, also the initiatives on mental health. That's really really cool, right? But those are peripheral to the act of skating. In terms of the actual management and potential expansion of the industry. Again, it's like it's chaos. Well, and I think it's that by design. I mean, nobody's made steps to actually bring up sponsored skaters, you know, anything beyond contractor status. But at the same time, I mean, maybe I'm being devil's advocate here, but there is that great variation, great expanse between, you know, some sponsored skaters and other sponsored skaters. And uh, I don't even, I, I feel like I'm shilling for management there, but. Like, not everything is equal on this playing field. Whereas, you know, if you look at an NBA, what, they got like 450 players in the NBA. And you can argue that eh, 375 of them are the best players on the planet. And, like, the other 75 are dudes in Europe or wherever. It's, mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing just because, like, skateboarding doesn't let you just say the best, the best on paper, like... These dudes are scoring 100s in all of the nine club or, you know, whatever, whatever that bullshit is. Right. It's unquantifiable. It's so subjective that, and I think that's why we all like it. It's so subjective, but that doesn't help, you know, the skaters who might be subjectively awesome who aren't qualitatively awesome. Mm. It's an interesting point, but I would push back with this that there should be at least some expectation of a standard of treatment and that the existing sure. system of keeping skaters on 1099s that up until recently, a lot of skaters were doing business via a handshake, you know, verbal agreement, no written contracts. Um, this has effectively hobbled, hobbled people's lives and in some cases destroyed their potential to be functioning adults or human beings, all because they're kind of in this nebulous world that, I can't see, there, there's no other business or experience where you have this total lack of certainty. And if skating really, really, really wanted to do it, it could have been done. And the fact that like over the years that there has been major pushback, was it Chris Gentry, the vert skater, 
who used to be a rapper, who I wonder if his rap is any good. Because <laughs> everyone clowned on it at the time. But, I mean, I've heard some pretty terrible stuff in the SoundCloud and mumble rap era. Maybe his stuff holds up. I don't know. But he was one of the people, him, Clyde Singleton, a few other people were trying to get some kind of a skaters union. I mean, even now you could get a bunch of skaters together and say, we're going to all pitch in a certain amount of money and you know set up uh, an insurance fund, right? I think it is, it is possible to set up an independent insurance representation. But I mean, we've kind of, it, it's kind of like this self-perpetuating, like everybody's in it for themselves. I mean, like, Templeton, is there any way to really break this and also basically force the hand of companies and be like, now nah, we're doing it this way? I don't think so because, you know, your big names, why would they, like, they're the only people that could move the needle because I feel like in my rudimentary knowledge of basketball, it seems like LeBron James was instrumental in making the Thunderdome bubble happen and, like, getting mm-hmm. everybody on board. And I feel like there's nobody in skateboarding who would do that, like, you know, Tony Hawk would be kind of that universally beloved and respected person. But I don't think Tony is going to be like, hey, we need to like get together and like, you know, stick it to these company owners who are exploiting us because like, you know, he's a company owner exploiting skaters. And like, I think that's just like, you know, the cycle is like, you know, you're an exploited skater until you, you know, reach a certain level when you can be the one doing the exploitation. That's a good point. But I guess then, I mean, you have to start applying, like, how do you start applying pressure to the Tony Hawks, to the Niger Houstons, um, even to the homeboy, Ishad? I love you, man. But, <laughs> like, how do you start saying, like, listen, y'all need to start, y- y'all need to start pulling up the people, you know? You guys are getting all the eyeballs. Everyone's looking at y'all. You know, we need, you know, we need to do something together. Because, I, like, I hate this whole... Like, people just like, oh, I don't know anything about that. Or, like, like when, what's his face, comparatively to basketball, when Steph Curry tried to play dumb about Hong Kong. Hate that shit. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, maybe it could happen. I mean, skateboarding is, like, decentralizing to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could, maybe a board brand is not as valuable as it once was. I think that the shoe brands are still the behemoth in, in skateboarding now. So, I, I don't think anybody's going to, like, you know, put their put their own nike contract on the line to bring up you know the rest of the squad i just don't see it happening especially because skateboarding is such a like you know it's kind of a get while the getting's good kind of thing you know like you got a a few good years of skateboarding in you and you Mm -hmm. know you can't waste those trying to freaking build a union that you know maybe isn't going to be there in your twilight years so it's like Mm. you know every man for himself and get what you can while you can and I mean that that tenuousness is perfect for management, you know, mm-hmm. to just to go back there. Like if everybody feels like they gotta get what they can while they can, and I mean you still see it in ways that like you know nobody's nobody of actual like consideration. That's not quite the right word, but you know nobody that's still trying to do skateboarding is booting Jason Jesse out of the skateboard brotherhood it's like there's definitely a, a a feeling of like if it can happen to him it can happen to me so like nobody speaks up nobody mm. in the circle speaks up to actually take anybody else that's in the circle out and you know it's that tenuousness again that that we already talked about yeah it, it's it's your body's gotta work it's your brain's gotta work just to be able to do the skating and you know it, 
it's got to work with everybody else involved. Like the skateboard union thing, I, I, we've talked about it on here before, and we just mentioned it. Clyde's been talking about it for 20 years. Yep. And I just don't think that, you know, it's within skateboarding's nature that, that it can happen for a lot of, you know, good and bad reasons, actually. Would make it a lot in, more interesting if, you know, we could get the AM draft or whatever. But yeah, I, I, by nature, I just don't think uh, organization on the level can happen. It would be great to get skaters, for example. You've got a bunch of skate companies. I mean, think about the cluster of skate companies you have here in Southern California, up in the Bay, in lots of different parts of the country. If you got a bunch of skate companies together and formed like, basically a lobbying arm, right? And started pushing heavily for universal health care. I mean, not many, too many people know who's in the check cashing or the you know, short-term lender lobby, but they exist. And they're right. very, very powerful, right? Like they, they are the reasons, or the tax pre preparation lobby. They're the reason why it's so difficult to file taxes in the United States. You have no idea who these people are. You have no idea what their names are. You, you have no idea where their businesses are based. And yet they're the reason why it's OD complicated to do H&R Block or whatever these tax prep companies' names is. When in fact, every other industrialized country, wealthy industrialized country, has a super simple tax form. You don't even have to fill one out. They just say... We already have all your info, like uh, your employee ID number here in the U.S., which is your social security. You have your employee ID number. Here's how much you made. Here's how much you know you owe us. Here's how much you're going to get back. If this is correct, cool, right? Like all that information should be able to fit on a postcard. But because these lobbies have worked so hard, that's the reason why we have an entire unnecessary industry of tax preparation. Skateboarding could skateboarding could apply pressure for universal health care. Maybe not be the ones who who deliver it, but be a block of people that, you know, some low-ranking member of the house might be able to call just like, we need to get Jim T on the line to come testify in front of Congress <laughs> about why skaters need universal health care. Jim T, you, can you come talk to Congress, right? Like, th that could be a thing. Like, that, that could definitively be a thing. But, you know, skating is only getting bigger. It's getting more diverse. There's more people of color, more women and non-binary people who are in the game. And yet it's like still like this sort of like, like we're still stuck with this, this weird sort of, you know, we're still stuck with this funky business model. And like going back to Gino, is there an equivalent in professional sports of a, of a player who's been on the team for that long getting checks, Right and hasn't been in too many videos. I mean, like, Gino's output has mostly been, like, Instagram clips, uh, a couple commercials here and there. Um, we, we have no transparency into how much he was making or how much input or if he was just a design consultant or what, but it's kind of confusing. Like, I really kind of wonder, like, are there professional athletes who are allowed to cook for that long? Yeah, probably not. I mean, you can't... I mean, Gino was essentially a bench warmer for the last, you know, decade, maybe? If I if I may step in, like Luol Dang was an all-star with the Chicago Bulls. The Lakers signed him for a boatload of money. And I think he was injured or he just got old and he wasn't playing. And they, they owed him like $70 million. He played maybe 23 games for the Minnesota Timberwolves after like getting offloaded by the Lakers and... Uh, now the Lakers are trying to like get insurance money to not have to pay him for the money they owe him, even though he played for the Minnesota Timberwolves afterwards. All that <laughs> said is that I yeah I, I I feel like you know with his output like 
Gino, all respect due for awesome skating in the past. Like he wasn't he wasn't doing anything and his contract didn't get renewed and you know, that's kind of it. And I, I, I don't know if it's pandemic pressure. Like I thought of it earlier today. Are these companies looking in more real realistic terms and saying, okay, our, our numbers aren't going to be up for another year just yeah. because of real life. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make cuts where we can. Or was it the fact that, I mean, is Gino 42, 44? When was his last video part of any renown? Like, it just might be time that, you know, the guy can't actually be a plus plus contributor to a team. And, and you know, there's plenty of uh, NBA players like Carmelo Anthony. He was almost out of the league. That dude is a lot of people's favorite player of all time. But well, he, he keeps coming back. He keeps, he keeps coming, coming back because he can do it. Yeah, yeah. He Carmelo still skates. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, maybe this I mean, is what Gino needs. You know, maybe he needs some motivation. He needs to, you know, feel uh, some pressure. Who's gonna be his trailblazers though? Where's Gino gonna go? <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna, you know, who's I, gonna make make us look back and be like, dang, we should have loved him more. I was thinking about, you know, like I don't think there's ever been. Uh, a, a move across big shoe brands, you know, like an Adidas rider yeah. going over to Nike, Nike rider going over to Adidas. You know, there was like Peter Hewitt went to Vans after getting the boot from Nike for some weird shit. But I think that's kind of like an isolated incident and doesn't really count. Um, Which is wild for what he got uh, allegedly got the boot for. Right. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But I was thinking that it might be possible for somebody to get Gino for real cheap especially somebody like mm-hmm. Adidas because Gino needs to keep his cloud up and without a shoe sponsor, he starts looking not so good to the rest of his sponsors. So he could, you know, Adidas could lowball and be like, dude, we'll give you a thousand bucks a month. You ride for Adidas. You don't really got to do anything, but we're not going to pay you that much. But you get to say that you ride for Adidas and be, you know, considered elite. Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that Gino would end up being like skateboarding's Bobby Bonilla. Um, for those of you who don't follow baseball, so back in 2000, the Mets decided to, or they agreed to buy out uh, Bobby Bonilla's, the rest of his contract, right? But instead of him just taking a, a lump sum, right, the Mets agreed to make annual payments of $1.2 million for 25 years, starting on July 1st, 2011, negotiated 8% interest. So every July 1st, every July 1st, he just like, he, this deferred because of this deferred contract, he's still getting money. He's still getting money. He's still getting money. And like I was hoping like Gino would Gino would just be this cat, like where we just like we're just celebrating for his longevity. Like Bobby Bonilla has not played for the Mets what since 2000? Yeah, since 2000. And he's still getting money off that. Remember, 1.2 million over 25 years, right? Wait, excuse me, 1.2 million at 8% interest every year for 25 years. Like I want to know who his money manager is. I was like, gonna say shouts to the agent for that one. I know. <laughs> like I was hoping Gino was gonna be that dude. Like, like, dang, Gino's still on Nike. Like, I heard he doesn't even skate skate anymore. You know, like <laughs> nah. he just like no coffee cruiser. You know, no like just go into the park and just do like a little like uh, front nose. Nah, nothing. Just like <laughs> like fully into tennis and riding his bike. <laughs> so, still, so still... <laughs> to be to be intellectually honest 
and I think I already said it on this podcast anyway, is that that last Nike ad he had where it was like two and a half minutes and maybe three and a half tricks. And it was a lot of bails and it didn't look like he skated much. Like, man, yeah, it, was, it was kind of a disreputable. It, it was a dis, it, it, it was a disreputable clip that he put out. And like, I'm not it, I'm sure it was a great paycheck. I'm not happy by any means that you know, they didn't re-up him, but you gotta, at, at, at a certain point it runs out, I guess is what my point is. True. <laughs> and I'm talking also, around other points. I mean, man, also to, you know, to, you know, fair play to Gino, he at the time had just gotten out of rehab and in an interview with Anthony Papalardo, the writer, he kind of talked about his struggles over the years and that, you know, he's kind of really struggled with, struggled with sobriety and it's kind of been an up and down road Ever since he, you know, he got hemmed up uh, and ended up having to do something like six weeks or was it six months in upstate New York? This is the shock mm. implementation program, which 50 Cent also did. So in lieu of prison time, you're basically you're clearing forests and waking up. And it's basically like being sent to a military boot camp. Mm. But um, so like he, he's he's been having a, a difficult go of it. And that may be contributing to his lack of output. And also his kind of, um, you know, you kind of get this feeling like he's a sense, you know, he's a sensitive dude and I can relate to that. Yeah. And he definitely feels like um, he definitely feels a little bit, I don't know, he's probably definitely very hard on himself. And, you know, he skating is, uh, you know, there's a lot of expectations for him. I'm sure it drives him up the walls to hear the whole, I, I you know, I'd rather watch Gino push, but I'm right. going to thread the needle real, real talk because something just happened in skating that might be able to, be, you know, serve as his second act the trailblazers you know to his carmelo anthony axe and shoes is back no doubt islanders there you go gino you gotta get on action you got you gotta bring it home you gotta bring it home i i I think i don't even want to say in my defense because yeah you weren't coming at me but maybe a counterpoint is that like it's always weird maybe for like us more plugged in dudes and I've actually had a buddy who, you know, is active within the skateboarding, competitive skateboarding ranks, let's say that, yeah. you know, where it's like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of disappointed in X skater or, you know, I kind of wish he'd have been able to do this X, Y. It's, it's really, I think it's maybe just skateboarding wide, not even just podcasters, sponsored types, pro types, etc. You know, it's, it's, it's the entire endeavor where it's really difficult to to be a fan of skaters without it also being personal. Because with Tom Penny, yep, he's been around forever, and there are very two, very two different parts of his career. He was leading edge, and then he was the Tom Penny that we we've had for like the past twenty years. And yep. it's a cool skater, but at one point he was. Uh, you know, plenty of people will argue with this, but he was like one of the best. He was a top five skater in the world. Mm-hmm. And he was and he was innovating and he was doing shit that nobody else knew you could do. And then he wasn't. And I've expressed disappointment that he didn't continue on that trajectory. And it, you know, um, maybe it's fair, maybe it's not because injuries happen, life happens, and all that. Um, we're really far off topic right now, but you know, it's, it it is that like professional athlete 
does that mean pro skater? Like, are we saying the same things? Because, like, you could interpret that the two things are the same and they carry mm-hmm. the same expectations. But I don't know if any of us actually want that. Yeah, it's just different. <laughs> it's I don't know how, how else to say it. It's just different. Yeah. I this mean, could also well, serve as a... Oh, go on. Oh, is it, is it because we're all skaters? Like, is that why it's just... Oh, I think that's actually a good reason. And I think maybe as, you know, if we're all skaters and we can even just, like, understand how hard any of this shit is to do, you know, at, like, a really high level, maybe we can be more sympathetic to the Lamar Odoms of the world who, you know, he he fell apart at some point, wasn't Publicly. able to be a pro basketball player, and, you know, Tom Pennies or any of them, you know? So Mike. of all this pro skater talk, Templeton at the top of the show mentioned that uh in case you didn't know the los angeles lakers won the nba finals in the thunderdome nba bubble i think it's a week and a half ago now but that whole thing had a lot of nba writers talking about lebron james once again as maybe being able to like get into the weight class of michael jordan as the best greatest basketball player of all time and it's a lot of numbers and it's a lot of intangibles. And I don't know if we're going to really determine if Michael Jordan or LeBron James was the best ever, at least this year, while we're all quarantining. But it got me, it got me thinking what about skateboarding in terms of, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible to actually determine who the best basketball player was of all time or is. How do you even do it with skateboarding? Because, you know, Tony Hawk is the Michael Jordan of skateboarding. Okay. Is he the best skateboarder of all time, as Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time? Widely acknowledged. Patrick, I think I gave you enough to actually say something on this, like, impossibility of actually determining who's the best skater of all time. I think it's all hard to fill in. You tell me. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what... Where I fall on the LeBron versus MJ debate because I think about this, right? So Jordan at the time of his peak, right, 1990s, was bigger than basketball, right? He was bigger than basketball at a time where the NBA was nowhere nearly as big as it is now. But at the time, it was just starting to break into the worldwide sports consciousness, right? That people all over the world knew who MJ was, that he was greatness personified. But I think the last couple of years of his career, right, are a much bigger tell about him as an athlete, right? And there's a book called When Nothing Else Matters by Michael Leahy, and it's about Jordan playing for the Wizards. And I haven't watched Last Dance yet, but Ooh. the thing is that the thing is that Jordan burned a lot of bridges. Hyper, 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 almost compulsively competitive man, right? Who basically was in some ways like kind of like a caustic personality in the Chicago organization. And you would have figured that a guy like him should have been like magic out here in LA with the Lakers. You know, somebody who was forever, uh, whose history, you know, or, 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 or whose legacy and whose life was going to be forever um, wrapped up with that team. And no, that's not what happened at all. Jordan actually really wound up and pissed off a lot of people in the front office. And he tried to come back with the Wizards and nobody cared and burned bridges there. And, you know, like, 
I think it's the fact that he's from a generation where people were kind of so sort of ho-hum and he didn't really get involved in things and certainly not politics and definitely not racial politics. And you compare that to somebody like LeBron. And I've talked about this on a couple of uh, episodes when we talked about the idea of uh, athletes who were able to make the phone call. The phone call being, you know it was LeBron and a couple of other players within uh, NBA Players Union who made the phone calls individually. Hit people up was like, yo, you trying to you trying to get to the bubble? You trying to come to Orlando? Like LeBron, and I have my critiques about his um, his journey and some of his, his his commentary on 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 political consciousness. But I, I I back the dude heavy for his ability to really act as a leader and act as a, as a player who really inspires other people, not just on his team and around him. And well, I'm gonna tie that to skating like this, right? I don't know if skating has a Jordan-like equivalent, right? And if it did, I'd maybe have to say like a Mark Gonzalez, and that <laughs> mm, <laughs> that might be a whoa, controversial, controversial take. But like, but Gonz is not somebody. Gonz is not somebody who is, you know, I don't think he he has the same sort of universal uh, appeal that Jordan does, right? Like in terms of name recognition, it's going to be Tony Hawk, and Tony Hawk definitely he has the competitive streak. Uh, the competitive streak with that uh, that Jordan had, but like Gons, there's like something I don't know. Like, does basketball have a Gons? Does basketball have a player that, like, maybe maybe it's Kareem? You know, maybe like a Wilt Chamberlain, like somebody who, you know, people like say like this is the person who really bridged the gap into the modern era, and like they still it might be Kareem. Also, because Kareem is Kareem, like Gons is a Renaissance. Gons yeah, what, what like... basketball player is a painter? Also, I mean, Kareem's a writer. You know, there you he's, go. He's very, you know, he's incredibly articulate, very, very incredibly bright, uh, you know, quite the scholar. Um, yeah, I do like I do like the Gons to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar analogy just because they were early innovators. Eh, maybe not Jabbar, but, you know, early rulers of the game mm-hmm. who have loomed large over it ever since. Exactly, exactly. They, they still have, like, a, there's still something about them that really captivates you, right? There's a lot of other players that have kind of faded off into the background, and, um, you know, I don't know what they're doing now. Some of them are journalists. Some of them are working regular jobs. Some of them are still chilling, whatever. But, I mean, skating is a bit weird, too, because it's, like we said earlier, super subjective. Like, everyone starts skating for different reasons, and also skating is, like, totally illogical. Somebody could come to you and tell you that Lizard King is the best of all time. And you might be like, the hell are you talking about? But the thing is, everybody gets into skating for a different reason. Like, like Templeton, do you have a skater that you love, that you like, like put above everybody else, above like the obvious like contest winning greats, best video part greats, all them, that you just love, right? Like for me, it's Jason Dill. Love that dude. But like, he's not, is he really somebody who should be considered greatest of all time? I don't really think so. Yeah, I don't know. I man, I, as far as like favorite skaters go, my my mind is like just mush and I can't think of one. I mean, in the like greatest of all time discussion, like Mike Carroll is kind of the first one that came to mind, but he, you know, he's not a uh, that's not that controversial. Oh, <laughs> as like but, a favorite but, skater. <laughs> what's crazy about Mike Carroll is he's never going to be a household name and at this point, like how many of the skaters alive, active skaters, even know his name? I I agree with you that I I would say like he's the best street skater of all time. Better yeah, than Costin? Without Mike Carroll, there couldn't be a Costin. How about that? 
I don't know if that's you know, true, but I, you know, there's like a certain you know paving the way that happens, you know, and the, like I don't know. I think everybody gets graded on a bit of a curve as far as mm-hmm. what era they're they're skating in, and I think well, and I think, I think Costin's oh. kind of like sullied his legacy a bit. <laughs> sullied? <laughs> that's putting it lightly. Also, <laughs> Mike Carroll never put out a part. Mike Carroll never put out a part with a wax soundtrack. Never put out a bad part. Yeah, he takes it serious. Like, but like, you know what? Maybe like, I remember having this conversation with somebody recently, uh, with my boy Clayton actually, and we were saying like, there's definitely people in the Bay Area who think that Andre Nicotina is better than Andre 3000, and I think like Mike Carroll, he might be like that dude for the Bay Area. He like he might be that skater who's just like, this is the greatest of all time, no debate, right? Or is he more like the E40? You know. I don't know. Again, like subject matters that I'm not uh, super well acquainted with Bay Area rap. Um, Mike, what say you? I think the thing about Carol is that he's already going to be lost to so many younger skaters because his last biggest part was fully flared. And I know a lot of people are fans of that part. At least older skaters are fans of that part. Like, it's always the greatest of all time is always a moving target because mm-hmm. it always depends on the viewpoint of the audience. Yep. But actually the, the participants in a, in a, in a sport. And, um, you know, we talk about skateboarding us three on this podcast itself. Like we talk about skateboarding a lot on Twitter and even some potential podcast guests of the future, like, their mindset, their point of view is squarely based off of like questionable, the questionable video as as a starting point for all skateboarding that matters. And like, I actually, I, I get that on a, I get that intellectually. I started after that video came out. So it's kind of, it actually looks outdated to me. And so I've got this different point of view. I can still appreciate Mike Carroll. The point being that this, even uh, going, to, going to the NBA, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan versus LeBron James. Jordan ended his play as greatest of all time in 1998. And he played yeah. for the Wizard, and, and he didn't matter. Yep. <laughs> Skateboarding is that much more compressed, where it's like every generation is two or three years long. Right. You know, people come, yeah. they go. And so it's it's impossible to say who's the best of all time, greatest of all time. And then there's also that rub of like these skater, every, every skater is super varied in what they do. Mm-hmm. Mike Carroll, Tony Hawk, Danny Way, Eric Costin, Ishad Ware. Like all those dudes are this crazy Venn diagram of like, what do they do? What do they don't? Templeton. Yeah. And it's like, you know, is a well-rounded skateboarder like the best skateboarder is like somebody who's like, you know, the best in the streets. And like, you know, there's definitely people who would say Rodney Mullen, like there's definitely non-skaters who'd be like Rodney Mullen is the best skater ever. I mean, or, he, like, he, he wouldn't say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's, a lot of tricks, but. there's people who would say something like that. Um, so it's just, it's just hard, hard to say. And I, I think that like the best is, is only relative to like, the time when they're skating. Oh, I, I just think of, you know, people like Chris Jocelyn, who's like, you know, probably does harder tricks than Mike Carroll, you know, does harder tricks than lots of people, you know, like lots of people that are like on polar and stuff. I often think about like 
you know, what does Chris Jocelyn think when he watches a Polar video? Like, is he frustrated? Like, these fucking people are just doing slappies and, like, they're so much more beloved than me. Uh, so. he, he probably doesn't even rape them. He probably doesn't, uh, you know, they don't, it might not cross his mind or he, maybe that's just how he likes to relax. But maybe, like, we should focus the GOAT conversation, right? The same way, like, with soccer, right? So there's a couple of players, literally two, I think, who are considered transcendent. Pele and Maradona, right? And how you measure up to them too because of their respective runs, uh, you know, it, it really, really depends. And there's been folks like Zidane, there's been Franz Beckenbauer, Johan Krajev, Ronaldinho, uh, Michel Platini, Eusebio, shout out to God. Uh, you heard me on Ronaldo. the show notes, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the, there, there's players, you know, like there's players who are considered great and great for their eras, but to this day, we still look at Pele and Maradona's respective runs as being amazing, right? And like in skating, I was like, is there anybody like Pele, for example, beyond beloved? Not only because he, you know, first teenager to ever score a goal, to ever play, you know, to ever score a goal in the World Cup. The second one being um, Kylian Mbappe, shout out France in 2018. He was only the second teenager to score a goal in a World Cup final. So like... People I feel like, like Gons like, maybe like has that like revered status, uh, and then like maybe Tony Hawk. I think when comparing skateboarding to like traditional sports, is like our playing field is so varied and so evolving. Whereas like the mm-hmm. soccer pitch has been the same. You know, Pele could step on a on a modern day soccer field and it would feel very familiar. Whereas like you know, if like like Tony Alva. You know, it's got to feel weird comparing our uh, modern-day skate park to, like, the skate park that Tony Alva, you know, would would win competitions at in his day, you know. Or, like, you know, think of handrails and where they are now compared to where they were, you know, a decade ago. It's just, like, it, like the playing field is so different. And, like, you know, there was a time when you, if you grind a 10-stair rail, that's, like, a big deal. And now that's, like, you know, a warm-up clip in some local kid's Instagram edit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's throwaway footy. Right. That's a, that's a really, really good point that because of the consistency of consistency of the equipment and the playing space that, you know, there's a there, there, there's something, there's a standard measure for determining, like, who's going to be this good. But, but also, like, athleticism is different now, too. Like, is it really fair? Like, think about how many skaters now are they're serious athletes. They train, they... They're not like posted. They're not piling out all the time. Like they're drinking smoothies and mm. uh, showing gym footage. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the realm of possibility just with skateboarding is it's it's accelerated compared to other sports. Because I mean, the simple fact that LeBron James has been the best player in the sport for at least a decade. You know, yep. if we're gonna buffer either side of then versus now. I mean. A decade in skateboarding, like Jamie Foy, maybe I'm making this up, maybe I'm not, like frontside crooked grinding, a double kink, like that happened. And even if it didn't, you you believe it, like it's it's just a, and, and it's probably, no, skateboarding's as young as a lot of these other sports. It's just that probably in the last couple of years accelerated by the amount of video and the amount of like exposure that insane skateboarding can get to the rest of people like it's happened and it's happened real quick yeah that's it's a it's a good point like but 
I don't know. I mean, I look at somebody like Ishad, right? He's talented. He puts out a ton of footage. He's universally revered, right? I mean, I, I don't think that there's anybody out there beefing with or putting out a bad word about Ishad. I mean, like, is he the analog to? Is he the analog to LeBron? You know, when are we gonna so. give him his flowers? You know, what are we gonna give this man? <laughs> pay some man his some respect. I think he's the perfect analog to LeBron in the respect that, like, LeBron can't actually get all the respect that he's due because there is someone who was at one point better than the best dude at what he does. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, like, like the second best Renaissance astronomer. Like, all right, Jordan's Galileo, the next best dude. Copernicus. I don't know. I'm I'm really fucking up the uh, the the actual hierarchy of these guys, but you know, uh, Ishad's the best right now. Oh, and LeBron's you, the best right now, and that's all you need to know. Does that mean the real team is like the Lakers? Because equally stacked, equally stacked. I mean, it's look possible. At, look at Real's lineup right now. If they put out a video, could that be the video that ends all videos? <laughs> I, I mean, we've been waiting that. for that forever, you know, for so long. The last great no. video. The video that does what Fully Flared was supposed to do. Fully Flared did a lot of what it was supposed to do, but then it also... Oh, well, it bookended, yeah, it bookended a certain type of, of, of video, right? You're right. Yeah. But I don't know. I think, like, that real team, I mean, like, look at the Lakers. Look at the Lakers, that... how they played in, in Game 6. That shit was incredible. I listened to um, I listened to the the first half driving home from skating and watched the rest uh, with my wife, who's a huge Lakers fan, and now becoming super insufferable because if the Dodgers win the World Series, oh my god, I'm gonna get no peace. <laughs> but like the Lakers in Game Six, oh my god, complete control, right? And like the real team with the folks who are on there now, you got Zion, you got Christian Henry, Kyle Walker. Buzanitz, Ishad, like, you know, Mason. Oh, yeah, Mason. No, what other team? What other team in skating is that stacked and putting out footage the way that they're like, I can get, like, putting out a, a, a full length is hard and, you know, even might even be considered questionable. But, like, that's, you want to talk about dominance like an NBA team? That's a team that's like the Lakers right now. Yeah, I mean, Polar is like my like my go to. I love Polar and like all their dudes are rad. But it's like those those dudes aren't putting up numbers like the real team. Nope. <laughs> and, and you know, the pol- and Polar Polar carved its own lane, right? Polar opened up a door for a lot of people, and more importantly, uh, Pontus hooked up a lot of folks and allowed them, you know, kind of guided them through starting their own independent brands in skating. And that's just as important. But if we're talking in terms of performance. If we're talking in terms of the, you know, how prolific they are, I mean, like Ishad, when he retires from skating and goes and does something else and is effortlessly cool in it, we're gonna be, we're gonna regret it because what other skater is putting out consistently putting out that many good parts, that much like throwaway footage that is just any other skater would just be like, yo, this could be the like the midsection of my joint. Right. Yeah. I mean, are we just gonna give it to Ishad right now? I'm fine with that. The greatest of all time. Of current time? No, I think all time. Greatest of these times? All time. I like it that it's, we're all kind of like, ooh, ah, ah, I, ah nah, nah, Patrick, that's too crazy. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, Isha could, not- could be greatest of all time because of the, 
obvious street like geniusness and then you know he also figured out how to ride transition i mean yeah. Corey kennedy just jumped to mind is like would that guy have been the the greatest of all time had he not gone to prison you know like Corey he kennedy always struck me as like uh someone not living up to their potential Wow, that was that was very uh, high school teacher. Just like you're not living up to your potential. <laughs> I'm sure he had high school teachers that would say shit like that. You know, he, it just all was like, you know, it was all like a lark to him. You know, like shit was too easy. Yeah, yeah. it was all too easy. He's like, oh, let me just put on this safety vest and this like straw hat and do a fucking bean plant. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're underachieving at every turn. You're never gonna amount to anything, yeah. Kennedy. <sighs> <laughs> I think I, I think we could see like a really serious Corey Kennedy come back when his time inside is over. Could be a new yeah. Corey Kennedy out in the streets. I'm here for it. I'm rooting for it. Ought to be spectacular, honestly, because that dude that dude's a prodigy. Like prodigies, you know, if we're if we're keeping up with the NBA analogy, like prodigies in the NBA often maybe don't work. You know, you're a basketball prodigy. We we had a lot of hope in Ricky Rubio in Minnesota yeah. because he was like this great Spanish teenage hope. He didn't come over here and then, you know, it didn't work. But I think skateboarding is just that like, you know, if you're good at skating, you're good at skating. There is no actual head to head competition. Like these insane geniuses, some of them, uh, you know, PJ lad start out hot, do mm-hmm. whatever they do, end up where they end up. And then, yeah, I, I would be super optimistic about a Corey Kennedy comeback because dude's in like his late 20s and goddamn, I'd want to skate after, you know, all I can imagine he's gone through. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is America. This is the land of the second act, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, it could definitely happen, but I don't know. I, I mean, the prodigy thing, I mean, that that is a whole a separate conversation because there's a lot of, teenage prodigies in skating who have flamed out in in some in some cases in, in the worst ways possible like things just went left for them but who is who is skating's ai that's what i want to know Alan uh, Iverson. break it down for me and let's let's see if i can triangulate something somebody who who is the skater who is both the question and the answer who is the skater who crossed up mj <laughs> you know who is the skater who was the bad boy right who never got a ring hmm Allen Iverson is also the dude who basically set the culture, kind of a kind of a g- gangster, g'd out thing for I don't know the early two thousands. He made the basketball commissioner institute a dress code. Hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys look like thugs. In like two thousand three. <laughs> oh man, I, who could that be? Dude, like literally, like I mean, that's the thing that like. The culture shifted radically after that because, you know, um, the league was getting fed up because they felt as though, I, and I think that there's a twinge of, um, there's there's definitely a twinge of classism in there, definitely some old school racism, not quite hard R, um, but, you know, just not understanding the culture that a lot of young players are coming from. And then you had this decade where you had NBA players wearing these awful men's warehouse, ill-fitting, baggy, ill-cut suits. You know, it was high key embarrassing. It's only been in the last decade that you've had folks, you know, actually starting to flex and remembering that, uh, you know, they know how to dress. But that was pretty it was rough those first couple of years that when they instituted the dress code. 
for for press conferences and such. But there's got to be a skater who we all look at and just be like, should have been. Listeners, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram and let us know who who you think skateboarding's Allen Iverson is. Maybe yeah, we'll call- maybe we'll check back in next week with your answers. Or call us at 1-800-223-9797. Your call. <laughs> Operators are standing by. We're stoked to hear from you. Are we that stoked? We are. Yes. Uh, which brings us to the end of our show, where we talk about what we're stoked on. Mike, what are you stoked on this week? Actually, I'm stoked on last week's episode of this year podcast. I wasn't on it, but um, I just want to give uh, my internet friends... I've never met these guys that we podcast with, which is, I don't think anybody's ever met. Oh, no. Templeton and Jason have met each other, and I don't want to speak for your uh, Patrick, but I don't think he's met anybody on this podcast. Nope. Um, He said nope. Sorry, I was just talking over everybody. Yeah, we've had minimal contact in the last episode talking about Noah clothing and um, so much music and the hockey clip that really got me stoked out i'll admit sometimes i don't listen to the episodes that i'm not on because i live these once a week but i was really stoked on that episode man you guys killed it thanks i've heard that from a couple of people and i'm just like really like what i don't know we just kind of did our thing maybe we're just getting good or getting better <laughs> uh you kind of wrote people just it was it was the nine one seven talk, huh? <laughs> Alex, was, I love you. It was pretty good. Like I can't lie that um, the Jordan Catalano, Catalano? Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I it, like it got me to it got me to look it up, and it's like, oh yeah, it looks dope, but he's kind of whack. Oh, <laughs> hey, you said it, not me, man. Yeah. I still love- I still love 917, and actually the fact that folks went into the whole um, playing the part of folks calling into AM Drive Sports Talk Radio on Twitter was absolutely hilarious. Y'all were great. Uh, I definitely laughed out loud over breakfast. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, don't don't give up everything you liked, Patrick. Uh, Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? <laughs> I'm stoked at a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I'm stoked that it's almost Friday because this has been a long week. Um, stoked on Spitfire wheels and venture trucks straight out of San Francisco, California. Um, and I'm stoked on this record that's coming out soon. It's called Strum and Thrum. It's a compilation by Captured Tracks. Uh, the full title is Strum and Thrum, The American Jangle Underground, 1983 to 87. It's so good. I've heard a couple songs from it. It's really, 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 really good. I think I'm going to be bumping it all weekend. I've also been on a serious REM kick. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on? I am stoked that uh, my wife scored a cover this week. Uh, my yeah, wife, yeah. as as you may, as longtime listeners know, my wife is a collage artist, and uh, she got approached by the New Statesman out in England to do a cover based on huh. a um, piece of artwork that she did previously. So she did it, and she killed it. And you know, I'm just like proud and fucking stoked. I mean. It's a cover. Everybody knows that the cover is like the most important part of a magazine. So for covers, to, baby. Yeah, covers, baby. Hey, cover in your household. Hey, that first one's the hardest one. Yeah, we didn't even have to get Daniel Castillo to uh, hack into the mainframe or anything. It's all <laughs> legit. 
Dude, the uh, whatever parody, okay, whatever parody video I ever wanted to make was like that was gonna involve hacking into mainframe, needed a fake cover. Go ahead. Sick. <laughs> I, I I even looked up that clip and I was like, should I like take this and like put her cover in it? And I it was just like, that's too much work. Uh, no, <laughs> that's awesome. And also, she'd just be like. What what is this? I don't understand. Daniel <laughs> <Like>, Castillo. <laughs> this is Daniel Castillo, and this ah, it's an important video. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's our show for this week. Uh, be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about, including all those fucking soccer players that Patrick mentioned, and other show notes. Uh, until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can the people find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks. That's Colonel, like the military rank, not the popcorn Colonel. On Instagram, you can find me at P Kigongo. Mike, where can the people find you upon the internet? Up on the internet, you can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at M Munzenrider. That's all phonetics. Templeton, where art thou? On the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. I be high as fuck when them MCs come But from dawn to death, man, I break some up Like booyah, what you do now? I can hear them freaks saying new chow From head to head, dread to dread Lead to lead, spread to spread Niggas be trippin' when the endo's gone Niggas be trippin' when they woman's gone Niggas be trippin' when they money's gone That's why I'm rappin' on the microphone Razor, sharp Crack radar Time to build my juice back up Like the curl of a banger in the comp and cuts How many empty do I have to kill Before I get to the top of the hill Camouflage dodging Pittsburgh black Doing shows at Alamo's where the niggas be at We spin food stamps, avoid them tramps A van will beat with the Kenwood amp Focus like a camera, keep your eyes on the birdie Legit as I can get, but I still roll dirty Razor, sharp Crack Raider, Razor, Raider, sharp Crack Raider, Raider, Razor, Sharp. Crack Raider, Razor, Razor, Sharp. Crack Raider. A tiger like me can't hit the block. Second MCs are like microphone cops. Jumped in the game for the do or die. Hit the microphone stand and got Kentucky fried. Recognize baby that I go for broke. Living in a city run solely on coke. Razor, Sharp. Crack Raider, Razor, Raider, Sharp. Going about nine days on the freeway choking. Ain't no mystery to the weed we smoking. Andre Nicotina say show me some snaps. And Andre Nicotina will surely rap. I hate to be a whore, but the world's a pimp. I'm trying to tell my niggas, man, don't y'all simp. Coming like a Mack truck. Miss me if you foul skunk. Represent the blunt when you get tossed up. Microphone flow like the caddy with ribs. At 9 a.m., man, the contact hits. Cocaine beats in stereo. Thinking every car behind me, man, is 5-0. Keeping all my rhymes on a computer chip. The Sugar Hill Gang, I've been doing this. Razor, sharp. Crack Raider, Razor, Raider, sharp. Sharp. Crack Raider, sharp. Sharp.
shot.